Well, I'm going to welcome you here, especially those of you that are visiting. Welcome over in the um, venue. And I'm grateful for all of you that serve. And Pastor Scott over there in the venue, I just want to say thank you um, for being the pastor over there and being there each week and loving the people, caring for the people and praying for those, those people. And if you're over in the venue, anytime you walk in there and you see Pastor Scott Stubbard, he's there to be a blessing to you and maybe you need to talk with him. He's there to, to listen, pray, whatever. Uh, whew. Man. I'll tell you, one of the things, uh, one of the great things about this job is, uh, man, last night, uh, I just had a great time worshiping the Lord here. And uh, this morning at 9 o'clock, it was fantastic in here, and I know over in the venue at 9 o'clock, it was great. And because we have so many gatherings at different hours, you know, um, it's easy if you come just here to forget that we have other family members that are meeting, and, and all of the gatherings are, are fantastic, they're, and they're all different. We, we may do the same songs, but it's interesting how the Spirit of the Lord works in each of the, of the gatherings. And I just want you to know, family, that last night was just really, really great. Um, just, a, just a great time. Last hour was just really special. Just had a great time. And uh, before I get into this, if you um, uh, weren't here last week, uh, we're doing another trip to Israel Pastor Gordon Rumble and I are going to lead a trip. Uh, basically, it's a year from now. On October 7th, we'll, we'll leave next year. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. Last year, we took uh, about 90 or 100 people or whatever and just had a great time. And, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of once-in-a-lifetime trips. And we'd love to have you go, your spouse go. We have a whole family who's going. And right after this gathering, we're going to meet uh, in the uh, choir room just to talk with you, give you some information, and maybe you'd like to be a part of it. Uh, we only have about 10 spots left on the bus. I mean, it's filled up pretty quick. And so we'd love to have you come over, and, and who knows, maybe the Lord would say, you know, we, we ought to go on a, on a trip like this and be a part of it. It's right after our, our gathering um, is over with here in just a minute. Okay, I'm gonna, I wanna jump right into today's message by reading a, a pretty famous parable that's found in Matthew chapter 25, okay? So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it's in your notes uh, or it'll be on the jumbotrons or, or whatever. It's basically the story of what God expects from his followers while they wait for his return. It's pretty simple to, to, to understand. It's one of these great, great stories in, in Scripture. It says this in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, to one of these servants, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then the master went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the 
other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. That's brutal, isn't it? You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now before I get into this, I want to remind everybody, especially those of you that are visiting with us today, that we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace called Life. Hard to miss it, right? It's on your program, (laughs) signs out in the hallways and all that kind of stuff. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, he said the thief's purpose the devil's purpose, the demon's purpose. Here's his job description. His job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the demons want to do. That's what the devil wants to do. Just just mess up your life, mess up your family, mess up the life that Jesus came to give you. Jesus said, my purpose is different. My purpose is to give them, that's you, a rich and satisfying life. And this series, Life, is all about discovering some of the things that will mess up this life that Jesus came to give us, things that will rob you of this life. You see, you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior and yet never experience this rich and satisfying life. In fact, I um, know a whole lot of Christians who have given their life to Christ, their sins have been forgiven, you know, their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and all that kind of stuff. When they take their last breath here, they're going to go to heaven. And yet, life is anything but rich and satisfying. In fact, they're just kind of existing. They're just kind of vegetating. In fact, I shared with you that a lot of Christians die before they die. They just die on the inside. And this idea that Jesus came to give you this incredible life has somehow just escaped them. Some of you might be in here. You might be over in the venue. Maybe you're listening on the radio right now. Maybe you're listening on the internet and you're you're thinking to yourself, that's me. I've, I've died on the inside. I don't know anything about this life that Jesus came to, 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 to give me. But this series is also where we're discovering some of the things that will enhance this life, 
that Jesus came to, to give us. Now, with this said, what does this story, the story I, I just read, have to do with this life that Jesus came to give you? Well, I think it has a, a lot to do with it, and let me tell you why. As I've said many times, we all go through periods of our lives when we disconnect from God, when we get off track with, with God, all of us. Okay, I don't, I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord. I don't care whether you're a pastor or you're an elder. It doesn't matter who you are. There are times when our flesh just gets the better of us. It happens to everybody. I don't care how old you are, and I don't care how young you are. It happens to all of us. It happened to the great apostle Paul, and you can read about that in Romans chapter 7. And so if it happened to Paul, the chances are probably pretty good that it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to your children, it's going to happen to you know, your parents or your grandparents or whatever it might be. There are times when all of us get off track with, with, with God. And one of the, the great reasons you get disconnected from God or off track or whatever is when you take the gifts or the talents, the abilities, the money, the resources, or whatever that God has given to you, that God has entrusted you, and you bury them. When you take those gifts and those talents and those abilities, those things that God has given you, and you make the choice, and it's your choice, to bury them, I guarantee you, you'll never experience the life that Jesus longs for, for you, you to have. Now, believe it or not, not only does it mess up your life, when you make the decision to bury your gifts, your talents, the, the resources that God gave you, not only does it mess up your life, but it also messes up mine. It also messes up everybody else when you choose to bury your gifts. How? How, how does that happen? How is my life or everybody else's life impacted when you choose to bury or waste your gifts, your talents, abilities, money, or whatever? It impacts me because God gave you that talent or that resource or that gift or money or whatever to be a blessing to others. God gave you those things that you might build up the body of Christ and I'm a part of the body of Christ. So when you choose to bury whatever it is that God's given you, I lose out and so does everybody else. Aren't you glad that Scott didn't bury his gift? Aren't you glad that Pastor John didn't bury his gift? Aren't you glad that Pastor Chad didn't bury his gift? Aren't you glad that Christina didn't bury her gift? Over in the venue, aren't you glad that, that Jared and Ben and all those folks didn't bury their gifts? Was your life enriched, church? Because these guys didn't bury their gifts? Aren't you glad that there are people right now using their gifts and talents and abilities in our children's ministries? Aren't you glad there's a whole bunch of people in those rooms over there and those rooms over there and those rooms on the other side of this building who, who are using their gifts and talents and they're loving your children or your grandchildren or they're taking care of them and and making sure that they're learning about Jesus so you could come in here and enjoy this time of worship? Aren't you glad that there were people who, 
who, who gave the resource of their money to buy this piece of land. They gave their resources to build this building. They gave their resources to buy those chairs. They gave their resources so we could cool the building down or heat the building up. They gave their resources so we could have a parking lot. They gave their resources so that we could have, you know, a, a playground equipment. We've all benefited from this great tool. I know people who sacrificed. God had given them resources, shekels, money. And they gave and they gave and they gave so that we could buy this piece of land. And then we, we had drawings at our old church of this building and they, they saw that building and they saw what a great tool it was going to be. And they gave and they gave and they gave. And then they died. And they never once sat foot in this building. Never once. But you're here. Aren't you glad? Amen. Aren't you glad that somebody used those gifts and talents and those shekels so we could have a place like this, so we could have a children's ministry like that, so we could have a, a school building? Out? I mean, Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to be a blessing to yourself. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that. It's that you would be a blessing to others. Nothing wrong with using your gifts and talents and abilities to, to, to somehow, you know, earn a living or whatever all those things might be, you know, put a roof over your head and eat. But, but God gave you what you have that you might serve others with them. The second greatest commandment, love others the way you love yourself. Nothing wrong with taking care of you. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when we stop there and it's just us and we don't think about others. We don't think about how to love others and care for others and meet the needs of others and all those kinds of things, you see. Love of the gifts and talents and abilities that God gives to his people aren't for their enjoyment or their benefit necessarily. God gives them to people for the common good of the body of Christ. You see, when you humbly use your gifts, your talents, abilities, money, whatever, the way God intended, this helps the whole church of which I'm a part. See? Now, the reason I, I chose this story here in Matthew chapter 25 is because I think it really illustrates just how important using the resources that God has given you, your gifts, talents, whatever they might be, um, how important they are how critical this issue is. And what I want to do is I just want to give you seven principles that I hope will encourage you to uh, never bury your gifts. I hope this message encourages you to, to never bury the talents and resources, the money that God has given you. Let me tell you, this is a church where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people use their gifts and talents and abilities and use their resources for the betterment of, of, the, of the body of Christ. And I hope that this message is a great encouragement to you. Don't, 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 don't bury your gifts. But I also hope it's an encouragement to those of you that have buried your gifts. They're buried. And part of the reason why I know you're not experiencing the life that Jesus came to give you is because you got those gifts buried. 
And may today be a great encouragement to you to somehow dig those gifts up, unbury them, so to speak, that you might be a blessing to, 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 to all of us. Okay, number one, here we go. These are pretty simple. You got the principle of ownership in the story, okay? God owns everything you have, absolutely everything. Verse 14 says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. There's this man going on this journey, and what he does is he calls his servants in, and he entrusts his property to them. These three guys don't own a thing. They have nothing. It's the master who gives his stuff to them. Beloved, these servants are, are being entrusted with something that doesn't belong to them. All the property belongs to the, to the master. He's simply entrusting what he, what he owns to these servants. It's the master's property. The master owns it all. It's the master who's simply entrusting his stuff to his servants. And he's allowing them just to manage these resources, if you will, for a period of time. And the same thing is true for you. God's the one who owns it all. He owns everything. He's the master. You and I are but his servants. Everything you have, God has simply entrusted to you. And this includes your talents and your abilities, your money or whatever. Psalms 24 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that word everything in the Hebrew means Everything. The earth and everything in it, it's all his. It's all his. And we, especially in America, have a hard time with this. We like our stuff. It's our stuff, right? And we like so much stuff, we have warehouses that we can just take our stuff and put more stuff in it and actually pay because the square footage of our house and our garages can't handle all our stuff. So we have to have these little tiny things holds our stuff. It's not our stuff. It's not ours. It's God's. Psalms 150 says this. God says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pen. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field, they're mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. You can't miss the point here, can you? Everything belongs to God. The mountains, the trees, the flowers, the oceans, the rivers, whales and eagles and spiders, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the children we raise, the sun, the stars, the moon, the galaxies, your car, your home, your apartment, your clothes, your business, your money, you, everything, it all belongs to God. It's all his. This is the, 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 the principle of ownership. God owns it all. He simply entrusts it to you. He wants you to manage it. So the first principle you need to kind of wrap your mind around is this, and that's the principle of ownership. Everything you have, everything you have, everything you have, it all belongs to God, every bit of it. Principle number two. This is the, the principle of allocation. God gives everybody something. 
Verse 15 says, to one, he gave five talents of money, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on a journey. Now, obviously, in this story, the word talent was a measurement of money, but, but I think today a, a talent is anything that God has entrusted to your care. As I've said, it might be some ability. It could be a gift. It might be money. It could be a passion that God's given you. Some of you are very passionate about politics, right? Some of you are very passionate about children's ministries. Some of you are very passionate about teenagers. Some of you are very passionate about helping the, the, the poor and the needy. Those passions that you have are all given to you by, by, by the Lord. Now, there are two things that we learn about the allocation of the talents. Number one, the amounts differ. And this is going to be difficult for some of you. Some of you aren't going to like what I'm going to say next. God's not a socialist. Not everybody gets the same amount. Some people have more talent than others. Some people have more gifts than others. Some people have more money than others. Some people have more opportunities than others. I mean, I, I didn't choose to be born here in the United States, and neither did you. But being born here gave us all more opportunities and more resources than just about anybody else born anywhere else, right? I don't know why I was born here. I'm glad I was. I love this country. Unbelievable, the, the, the opportunities that I have that most people in other countries don't have. But the principle of allocation says this, is that we all, you know, get differing amounts. Not everybody can sing like Scott, but some of you can sing. Not everybody can play the guitar like John, but some of you know how to play the guitar, right? The second thing we learn is this, is that everybody at least gets something. One guy got five talents, one guy got two, and the last guy got one, but here's the good news. Everybody got something, which means there's no such thing as a no-talent person. Everybody gets something. God owns it all. That's the principle of ownership. But then God allocates his stuff. And to some people, they, they get more gifts, they get more talents, they get more money, they get more resources. God allocates it, but everybody gets something. Too often I hear from people, oh, you know, I just don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. There's nothing I can do. That's baloney. That's hogwash. You've got some gift, you've got some talent, you've got some ability, you have some resource. God gives you something. And I don't know necessarily what it is. The great apostle said this in Romans chapter 12. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. The grace of God just moved, and for whatever reason, Pastor Scott got a great voice. I didn't. The grace of God just moved moved and gave John the ability to play guitar and sing and write music, you see. The grace of God moved and, and gave Ben Miller the, 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 the ability to paint and, and play music and sing, you see. The grace of God just moved and for whatever reason, some people have more shekels than others. We have different gifts, different things. All of us are different. 
I love this verse because it basically says that we're all different. We're all unique. We're not one in a million. Beloved, you're not one in a million. You're one in six or seven billion. There's nobody else like you. You have a spiritual gift. You, you have a, a, a heart, a passion for things. You have abilities. You, we all have different personalities. We all have life experiences, right? I met a guy last night who, who's been in war. Bullets were flying over his head. Bombs were going off. I've never had that experience, but he has, and God wants to use that. Some of you have your PhDs, and some of you have barely graduated from high school. Maybe you haven't. You have different educational experiences that God wants to, to use that are unique to you. Some of you have never been married, and God has you that way. He doesn't want you to be married. He wants you to stay single so that he could use you in greater ways, and he could use a guy like me. I'm married. I got kids. I got responsibilities, but some of you are single, and God wants it that way. You have that experience. Some of you have been married three, four, five, six, seven times. You have all these divorces in your life. Those are all experiences that God wants to use, you see. God doesn't waste any of the experiences, bad or good. You literally are unique. There's no one else like you. So principle number one is that God, you know, owns it all, and principle number two is that God is the one who then takes all his resources and hands them out. Principle number three, this is the principle of utilization. God wants you to use what he's given you. Verse 16 says, the man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more, so also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now just quickly, let me just remind us about these three guys. The first guy had five talents, and he went, around, he went out and he doubled the money. He gained five more, and you don't have to be a financial guru to understand that that was a good investment. He doubled his master's money. The second guy, the one with two talents, gained two more. Now, once again, you don't have to be a banker to go, wow, that guy also made a good investment. The third guy, the one who got one talent, went off and dug a hole in the ground. And he hid that resource that God had given to him. In other words, he buried it. He did nothing with it. He was cautious. He was conservative. He thought to himself, I'm going to play it safe. I don't want to risk losing it. I don't want to speculate. So I'll just bury it in the ground. Now what was the master's reaction? Look at verse 26 again. His master said, you wicked, lazy servant. You think he's upset? You think he's upset that he didn't utilize the gift that God gave him, the master gave him? He says, you should have at least put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, at least I'd get, some, I'd get it back with some interest. Basically, the master said, the least you could have done was opened up a bank account because I would have gotten something more, something. But you did, you did nothing, you didn't do anything. You buried it. You did nothing with it. And this upsets me because you didn't even try. Didn't even try. Beloved, this is the sin of inactivity. Our brother James put it this way. He said, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. L look, 
we as Christians, we know all the things we're not supposed to do. You know, don't, don't murder someone, that's sinful. Uh, don't steal anything, that's sinful. Uh, don't get drunk, that's sinful. Uh, don't use crummy language, that's sinful. Don't commit adultery, that's sinful. Don't lie, that's sinful. Christians in America, we got all the don'ts down pat. Unbelievable how fast Christians and Christians can rattle off all the things we don't do. But the Bible says, you know what? There's a bunch of things that God wants us to do. And when we don't do them, that's sin too. And here's this great moment where God gave, the, the master gives out this gift, this talent, this ability, whatever, whatever. In this case, it was money. And the guy does nothing with it. Nothing. Nothing. Listen, when, when God gives you a talent or an ability or money and you bury it, in other words, you choose to do nothing with it, I want you to know, it's bad, Christian. It's bad. It's sinful. If you've got something buried in your life right now, some gift, some talent that God gave you, it's bad. It's not a good thing. Doing nothing with your talent is, is absolutely inexcusable, which is the point of the story. God's telling you that you can't please him by playing it safe. Someone once said, I, I'd rather attempt something great for God and fail than attempt nothing and succeed. And let me tell you something. I know people in both camps. I know people that have tried some great things for God and have failed miserably. And those are my heroes. Woo, I love being around those guys. They were willing to chance it. And maybe it didn't work out. But I also know a bunch of guys that have done nothing and they've succeeded. They're a great success at doing nothing. And I have no desire to hang out with them. Because you know what you get really good at when you don't do anything? You get good at nitpicking what other people are doing. Because it makes you feel better. <laughs> Music's too loud in here. What's that pile of dirt? That's stupid. That's just really stupid. That's dumb. It's always too hot in here. It's too cold in here. Hey, Matt, can't you turn that music down, man? It's so loud. You know my ears? You know, I, I did the DB level in here for kind of. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And one of the things you usually know about people like that, they're not doing anything. They're not. You know, every time I read this story, let me tell you what I, what, I, what I hear God saying to me. And I've read this story, I don't know, 10 times this week. And I, I, I don't want to say I heard an audible voice, but I heard something within my soul saying, Rick, go for it. Go for it. Make the effort. Do something. Don't bury what I've given you. Go, 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 kid, go. I'm not kidding you. Every time I'd read it, I'd go, man. There's this great encouragement to try something. Try. 
And I think that that's what God's telling some of you. Come on, dig it up, go for it, try. Try to do something, make an effort. Make an effort. You know why people start playing it safe? You know why you know, some people bury their, their talents? Fear. Fear. And I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. And I get it. Let me tell you something. What I'm going to share next here is all about the, the, my fears. And I got them. I got more fears than, than, than I could lay out to you. But, but number four, and number three and four basically go, go together, and that's the, the, the principle of accountability. You see, God always checks to see if you're using what he's given you. In verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master, and by the way, it seems like it's been a long time since the master's come back, right? It's been 2,000 years, and we're still waiting for the master to come back, right? And in the story, this, this master was gone a long, long, long time, but he comes back. And what he does is, one of the first things he does is he settles accounts with these men. Beloved, God expects you and I to actually use whatever the talents are, the abilities are, the, the resources are, whatever those things are that he's given us. And, and why is this such a, a big deal to God? It's a big deal because when Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins, in a weird way, he made an investment in your life. He died for you. And when you received him, he put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He made an investment in your life. And you know what? He wants that investment to pay a dividend. He wants it to, to, to matter, to, to mean something. He wants you to make the, the most of your life. So here's, here's my question. Are you? I want you just to, to think about that. Are you making the most of the one life that you have? And only you can answer that. He died for you. You invited him into your life and he cleansed you of your sins. You became a part of his family. And he gave you his Holy Spirit. Are you making the, the most of the, of the life he gave you? See, in our story, the master eventually came back home. In other words, he didn't stay gone forever. And one of the first things he did was he checked up on his servants. He, he made them give an account for what they had done with the talents that they had given him. And the fact is that one of these days, our master's gonna come back or we're gonna take our last breath and we'll meet him up in heaven and you and I are gonna be audited by him. Every one of us is gonna stand before God and give an account for his talents, his abilities, his money and resources that he's given us. Now listen, I wanna make sure you understand this, Christian. You're not gonna stand before God and give an account for your sin. You, that's already been dealt with when you invited Jesus into your life. That's done. But every one of you who names the name of Christ, you will stand before God and give an account for how you chose to live your life, what you did with the life that he gave you, what you did with the resources that he gave you. You'll give an account. Someday, uh, God's not gonna hold me accountable for the sheep over at Calvary Chapel. 
He's not, I'm not going to stand before God and God's going to say, you know what, I need to talk to you about how you handled the sheep down at First Baptist. No. But I will stand before him someday and give an account for how I loved and cared and nurtured the sheep here. I'll stand before him and give an account. God's given me some gifts and talents and abilities, and I will stand before him someday and give an account for how I used those resources of his for his kingdom. And so will you. He just, you know, he owns it all. He, he gives it out. He wants you to use it, but he's also going to inspect what he expects. There comes that moment The Bible says this in Romans chapter 14, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And we're not talking about judgment of your sins. That was already handled by Jesus dying on the cross and you inviting him into your life. He's talking about what you do with the gifts and the talents, the abilities, the money, the resources, whatever those things are that God's given you. This is the principle of accountability. N number five, we're gonna shift gears here a little bit. This is called the principle of self-destruction. God is not pleased when you don't use what he's given you. He's not pleased. Verse 25 says, I was afraid. I was afraid. The third guy says, I, I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. This master isn't pleased. This isn't a good moment. The master's saying, I, I didn't give you that gift, that talent and ability so you could go bury it so I could just simply get it back. I gave it to you for a reason. And as I said earlier, fear is one of the greatest things that keeps you from developing your, 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 your talents. And, and let me tell you, there's nobody in this room who's more afraid at times than I am. Nobody. I get it. I understand the fear in this guy's life. Firemen are afraid when they show up at a fire and the building's on fire to run inside of it. There's fear. I've never met a fireman yet who says, oh, no, I'm not afraid. You know, there's fear when a soldier walks into a town and they've got to clear a town out and they know that there's bombs and guns in there. There's fear. No soldier's going to tell you, oh, no, I'm not afraid. Pew, 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 pew. What are you talking about? They're all afraid. There's fear. It's what you do with the fear. The fact that you're afraid is no big deal. We all get afraid. I know. You have these gifts and talents. You have this money. You have these resources. And fear is one of those things that will keep you from using them. Fear has kept me on many occasions from burying my gift. Let me give you three illustrations or three types of fear that are out there. One is self-doubt. I could never do that. I'm not qualified. God, you're going to have to find somebody else to do it. This is also called the fear of failure. Now, I'm not going to try anything because if I blow it and I make a mistake, I'll look stupid. Self-doubt keeps a lot of Christians paralyzed. And I, I've been there. I've been paralyzed. Who likes to fail? Because when you fail, there's always somebody out there that'll point it out. Always. 
I've done this for 30 years here. I can't tell you how many times I've failed. I'm going to tell you about a couple of them here in a moment. And there's always somebody, the devil, the demons, always make sure that there's somebody there to point out your failure. Boy, you really fumbled that one, didn't you? Boy, that was brilliant. How'd you get that job, you know? Loser, loser. You know, I was like, dude. Number two, self-pity. I failed in the past, so I'm not gonna try it now. I made a mistake in the past, and so I don't wanna do it again, you know. I've already blown it once, I've blown it twice, I've blown it so many times, and you know, I'm never gonna do this again. Aren't you thankful that Peter didn't have that problem? Because if Peter, after he denied the Lord three times, would he just go, oh, I've blown it, you know. I can never be used by God again. We wouldn't have first and second Peter, would we? Probably much of Luke, Dr. Luke probably got most of his data from Peter as he wrote that, that gospel. <laughs> uh, look, I, I've been around this place so long. I, I've done more stupid things. Um, and this week, it was, it was kind of, on the one hand, kind of fun to think about all the stuff I used to do as a youth pastor that didn't land me in jail or, it, and, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, I did some of the dumbest things you could ever imagine. Just total failures, total flops. Let me tell you what happened here last night. I had this great idea. I put this pile of dirt up here. And so far, it's, it's gone pretty good. Last night, thank God you're not here because there's a whole lot of people out there with black lung today. <laughs> because we didn't water it down last night and I kept going like this. <laughs> there was a dust cloud. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. People in the front row down here were getting up. <laughs> I am not kidding you. And they're, all <laughs> and they're all leaving. Dust. I'm just covered with dust. It's all on my Bible and book. And, and I just kept going back to it, acting like I was digging. And, on the cameras, you would see out in the hallways this haze of, of dirt. It was unbelievable. It was a great idea. Needed a little bit more working out. And so as soon as I'm done preaching last night, I walk out the platform. My wife's down there, and she goes, a note to self, leave the pile alone. <laughs> Don't. I'm going, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, you know, I went like this, and phew, dust just came off of me. Uh, I, it was unbelievable. I walk into the deal to do the Israel thing, and there's Pastor Gordon. He said, hey, I got an idea for you. You might want to squirt that pile down with uh, water. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Now, after the fact, you come up with the, the great idea. Well, I've gotten emails and stuff, and are you going to pay for my dry cleaning? I mean, it was unbelievable what happened here last night. It, it didn't work very well. <laughs> I could go down a, a laundry list of things that just didn't work well. They didn't work. You try them. And I know the feeling. Oh, man. Hey, Scott, man, why don't we just take the dirt off of this thing? Let's just get rid of it, man. You feel stupid, you know, in your flesh. You know, everybody thinks you're a dummy. <laughs> I get it. And that fear will keep you from doing stuff. There's uh, uh, number three, self-consciousness. You know, what are other people going to think about me? 
I mean, I want to look good in front of everybody. What if I mess up? Then I won't look good. And that keeps a lot of people frozen. In a few weeks, I'm going to be in Merced at uh, Yosemite Church uh, preaching at their church. And here's the deal. I can come in here and I see people I know and love. And I know you love me. And I can come in here and do whatever I do. And I look out and see all these family faces. We're family. I get it. I'm going to show up there in a couple of weeks and I don't know anybody. And that one right there, self-consciousness, oh, man. Man, I'm checking my look, okay, my hair comes, zipper up, okay. <laughs> my teeth are right, got anything hanging out of my teeth? I'll, I'll be self-conscious. Why? I don't know any of these people. If I say something dumb in front of them, it's like, oh my gosh, how'd that guy end up on the radio? It's a whole other gig. And so what happens is you go, ah, you know, I don't want to go. I'm just not going to go. I'll let somebody else can do that. I'd rather just come here. I'd rather just kind of play it safe, kind of like the third guy, just bury the talent that God's given me. And no matter where I go, I always wrestle with that. I always wrestle with that, always. And some of you are thinking, oh, man, whoa. What if I start singing and I, my voice cracks? It's probably going to. Or what if I start playing the guitar and I hit the wrong key? It's probably going to happen. Uh, what happens if I say I'll be a greeter and I screw up? Hey, listen, I can't tell you how many times I'm right down there on a Saturday night and, and the bag goes by and the usher gets it and sends it right back down the row and then it goes back down the row again. Guess what? And I'm going, and then all of a sudden they look at each other and go, and they get it to the next. Either that or they're just trying to get us to give more money, which is, I, I, I'm, I'm all for that. You can, okay. We, we blow it. We blow it. Proverbs chapter 29 says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. And that happens. You start fearing man. You start thinking about all that stuff, and it just goofs you up. Uh, Number six, the principle of reallocation. God will take what he gave you if you don't use it. Verse 28 says take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Listen, one of the reasons why you see some people out there that have these incredible uh, I've been given incredible responsibility is this. They took what they had and used it for God's purposes. God looked out and saw somebody else who he had given talents to and said, okay, if you're not going to use it, fine. I'll give it to somebody else. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's will is going to get done. And he doesn't need any of us. God doesn't need anybody in this room to accomplish his will. But the beautiful thing is, is God says look, this, look, look, I've saved you. You're in my family. I'm going to give you talents and abilities. Let's go out and accomplish what I want accomplished. But if you choose to bury the resource he gave you, God isn't stymied by that. He didn't go, oh, no, you know, can't get my will done. He doesn't do that. He just takes whatever that resource is out of your life and he'll just put it in somebody else's life. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. There's a principle of life here. God has the right to take anything out of my life if I make the choice not to use it for him. It all belongs to him. He allocated it to me. And if I choose not to use it, he has the right to take his stuff 
and just reallocate it to somebody else. He has that right. And the last principle is this, and that's the principle of celebration. God will reward you if you use what he gave you faithfully. Verse 23 says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many, many things. Come and share your master's happiness, okay? Reallocation says, if I don't use it, I lose it. Celebration says, if I use it, I'll be rewarded. I'll be rewarded. And what are some of the rewards? Well, there's the reward of affirmation. Verse 23 says that the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. And let me tell you something. Let you in on a little bit of kind of what motivates your pastor. I look forward to the day when I will stand before God and I want to hear those words. I want him to hear, I want to hear, well done, Rick. Well done. I just screwed up that thing on a Saturday night, but everything else, well done. Man, you had some royal screw-ups in your life, but well done. Thanks for trying. It didn't always go well, but thanks for trying. Well done. Well done. I want to hear that. I'm not kidding. Now, some people are going to go to heaven. They're going to get there. You know, their sins have been forgiven. Jesus forgave them of their sins. And God's going to go, come on in. And that's a great thing. I don't want the Lord to go, come on in, Rick. I want him to go, hold on. Well done. Well done. And if you've got your talents and your gifts and all that stuff buried, you're never going to hear that. You're in. Come on in. That's a great thing. But you're not going to hear well done. There's also the, the reward of promotion. He says, you've been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Is there anybody here who doesn't like to, you know, work in such a way that their boss sees it and gives them a promotion? Man, you've done such a great job. You've been such an outstanding employee. I'm, a, I'm going to give you more responsibility. We all want that, right? When you take the, the, the talent or the gift or the resources that God has given you and you use them faithfully, let me tell you something. He's going to give you more. You're going to get a promotion. And then C is, is the reward of celebration. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's party. Let's celebrate. Beloved, when you use your gifts and your talents, your money, for the kingdom's sake, it makes the Lord happy. And when you make the Lord happy, let me tell you something. Wow, it does something in your own life. To think that, that somehow you could share in your master's happiness. That's when you begin to experience life at a, at a whole nother level. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And my question is, are you doing that? If you've got your talents and your gifts and all that buried, you're, you're not storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And so today's the day for some of you, you know what, you need to go, this is it. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna start digging up my talents. And maybe that talent you're gonna dig up is some time. Some of you, you don't give any time for the kingdom. 
Yeah, you come in here and you sit here and you look at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half. You give that time up, but that's not the same thing. And some of you need to say, you know what, I'm going to dig up my time and I'm going to start using my time in a different way. Maybe the, the thing you need to dig up is that ability you have to build things or, or maybe you're a plumber or you're an electrician and you're just good, you're a mechanic. And yes, you know what? You use your talent to, to earn money and, and you're supposed to do that. You gotta put a roof over your head. You gotta do all that stuff. But you don't give any of it necessarily for the kingdom's sake. We have people in our church that are on fixed incomes they're older and, I don't know, their toilet breaks down. Have you ever thought about just volunteering some time and going over and saying, that's my sister in the Lord and I'm going to fix their toilet or I'm going to fix something, I'm going to help fix their car, whatever it might be? Or is it all about you making money? Maybe today's the day some of you say, I'm going to dig up that talent and I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God. For, for some of you, you know what it is? You're supposed to be a teacher of the word. You're supposed to be working in our children's ministries. You're supposed to be mentoring a junior high. You're supposed to be mentoring a high school student. You're supposed to be in our men's ministry leading a group of men. You're supposed to be in our women's ministry leading a group of gals. You're supposed to open up a home group where you lead people through the word of God. Th th this is your gift, but you know what? You got it buried. And today's a day you might need to say, you know what, no more. I'm gonna take that gift, that talent, that ability and give it to, to the Lord. For some of you it might be you have musical gifts. <laughs> Obviously, I don't have those gifts. Um, but you do. Man, you, you know how to play the guitar. You know how to play a, a trombone. You, you know how to uh, play a flute. You, you're a good singer. You ought to be in the choir. You ought to come and say, man, count me in, man. I want to be a part of this, this music group. Maybe you play the, the oboe, and I don't even know what that is, but we need an oboe up here. What church doesn't need an oboe, for crying out loud? I don't know what it is you do or what it is you play, but you got it buried, and you're nervous because you look up here and say, man, everybody's really good at what they do. Well, yeah, they practice and they're here all the time. Maybe that's what you need to do. And today you're going to go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm digging that up. I got that buried. Maybe, uh, maybe for some of you, it's your money, that resource that God's given you. You enjoy the chairs, and you enjoy, you know, the, the building, and, and uh, for some reason you think that the MID and PG&E just says, you know what, you're a church, don't worry about the electric bill, we'll just give it to you for nothing. You enjoy the children's ministry, your grandkids, your kids are being blessed in there, you enjoy the youth ministry, you enjoy the, the counseling, you enjoy CR, you enjoy the, the vision of this church, the, the, the school, you, you, you enjoy the good Sam and all that, but you, you, you've never opened up your wallet and given a nickel to it. You've just kept it all buried. And maybe today you go home and talk with your spouse or whatever it is if you're a single person and say, I gotta, I gotta dig this up. I have a resource that God's given me. And I'm not doing anything with it. A couple weeks ago, we took you all through this His card in here. 
and there were hundreds and hundreds of you that filled it out. Things like I'm good at carpentry or concrete, electrical, fencing, flooring, general labor, HVAC, landscaping, locksmith, masonry, painting, plumbing, roofing, sheet metal, sheetrock, stucco, wall covering, yard work. There's all kinds of things on here that we said, hey, what are you good at? What's your talent? Don't keep it buried. And we had you fill these cards out. And I know some of you went like this. And you walk out of here. And guess what? God came back around and is just kidney punch you this morning. Look, look, here, here's the deal. You could go out to the information center and say, okay, give me one of those cards. I'm digging it up. I'm digging it up. And you fill that out and leave it there. Some of you, about 200 of you, said, I'm coming to the shape class. I'm going to figure out what my shape is here on the first Saturday. You know what? You need to sign up. You see, there are forces at work that just want you to keep things buried. The demons are happy that you just kind of keep stuff buried. There's a lot of other people that make this church, you know, happen. You, shh, shh. No. Today's the day, beloved. I want you to dig it up. And let God use that gift, that talent, that ability, those resources that he has for, 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 for God's purposes. Why don't you stand and just close your eyes. Over in the venue, go ahead and stand and... I want you just to close your eyes for, for a moment. Just close your eyes over in the venue. Just close your eyes. And here's the deal. We have a, an altar room where the elders and the spiritual leaders of the church are there to pray for you, give you some counsel, wisdom, whatever it might be. Take advantage of it. But also, if you're here and you're, you're interested in the Israel trip, don't, don't forget to come over to the choir room. And we'll just take a few minutes, Pastor Gordon and I, and talk to you about the trip, give you some information that you and... You can go home and look at, pray about, or whatever. But I do want to say this. Thank you to all of you who keep your gift unburied. God's using you. And God sees it. And for those of you that maybe today the Holy Spirit has spoke to you, take the shovel out and unbury it. Let today be a day when you say, I'm going I'm to use my gifts, talents, abilities, whatever, for God's, for God's glory. Scott, would you close our time in, in prayer?